Hello there and welcome to the Adoption Chronicles. I'm Mick Shepherd, your host, and you're listening to episode 51 with Debbie Mills. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you, Mick. Good to be here. Good to have you. Uh, so you. where does your adoption story start? Oh, my adoption story starts so far back um, to, I can't even remember how little I was when I was told. Yep. By my parents that uh, I was chosen specially mm-hmm. um, to be their child. Um, I can't ever remember the word adoption coming up, but it did eventually. Yeah. Um, and when I was old enough to understand a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, my um, I've always been told and it's never there's never been anything held back. Yep. Um, I think looking back now... I wish I'd asked a lot more questions than I did. Yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah. I had a, a I had two older brothers. Yep. Um, twelve years and ten years older than me. Okay. Um, so mum and dad were thirty five when I came with them. Yep. And they were their biological boys. Right. Okay. Um, so basically. After mum had her second boy, um, she had complications through the pregnancy and she couldn't have any more children. Right. And then a few years later, they found out that my brother had muscular dystrophy and wouldn't have a long lifespan. Right. So they, um, because she, you know, she always wanted a girl and three three kids, she she, um, applied for adoption and... um, and yeah, so basically that was that story. Um, I grew up in a loving home. I was very close with all of my family. Yeah. Um, n- never used to really think about the adoption side of things mm-hmm. um, when I was young. Yep. So you basically. felt quite normal, like everything. Well, no, normal's the wrong term because <laughs> there is no such thing as normal. But there was, I, I'm assuming that you felt like uh, there was, like it, it was meant to be the way you were, you were growing up. Where you were was where you were and yeah, um, that's that's that. Yeah, basically I just, I, I, I never really gave it a thought to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I was loved, um, I was cared for and um, I was grateful for that and, you know, when you're that young, you don't really think about it. You know, I had two big brothers and, yeah. you know, got on well with them and, um, and I got on really well with my extended family. Um, so we, we were all very close, cousins and aunties, and they, they all loved me. So yeah. I never had a reason to really think about um, that. It wasn't until I was in my early teenage years and I don't know what triggered it, but I, I started to think about who I look like or mm. where do I get asthma from mm-hmm. or why hasn't anyone else in the family got asthma? Yeah, right. Um, so all of these things start to come into play. Yeah. And then I, and I found as I got through to my mid-teens that I started full of this woman that gave me up. Well, you know, I used to think – I mean, not, not that I was having a hard time or anything. It was like, how could you give away a child? You know? Yeah, yep. How could you do that? What, what's, what was the reason? Was I good enough? You know, and all these sort of thoughts started to yep. to pop up into play. And um, it wasn't – and then, um, sadly, my, my brother 
um, who had muscular dystrophy passed away when uh, I was six and sixteen. He, he thing. Yeah, I was sixteen, and yep. he was twenty six. So right. um, basically, they were told at the age that 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 he could die pretty wow. much any time after fourteen. Yeah, right. So so he lived, he did live quite a long. A long life. That's good. And and you know we were so grateful for that. You know yeah. he was just a wonderful person. But mm. um, it wasn't until you know after that and and I started to to think about things. And I think it was um, I got married very young. I'd been with my sweetheart partner mm-hmm. for seven years. I got married at twenty one, right. which is very young. And um, I can remember. Uh, basically, he he uh, walked out seven months after the marriage. We'd been wow. together seven years, and he'd found somebody else. <sighs> and I can remember I went through this massive breakdown. Of course, like just total didn't see it coming. Yeah, like this total and and through the years with rejection as such, it has really hit home. It mm. hit it hits hard and I could never understand why it hit as hard as it did, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in my fifties now and something happened not to get off track, but something happened uh, two years ago, uh, with my other brother. Yeah. Um, and we had a falling out and, right. and it was over the over the care of our elderly dad, who's now ninety one. Yep. And it was over something very silly, and um, and he he no longer wants anything to do with me. Yeah, right. And basically, it was his partner um, who was who said, "Oh, you know, well, she's not really your sister." Mm. Okay, so that hit pretty hard, and it yeah. wasn't until. All of that happened, then I started to look into why I was affected by these rejections so badly. Yeah. Anyway, so basically, come in my early 20s, I think the laws in New South Wales changed. Yes. Uh, and we, we had the veto kind of thing that was happening. We could put a veto on. Yep. Stopping people from looking for each other and, and I can remember my mum was, you know, very upset about the whole thing. She was saying, this is, you know, this isn't, this was not supposed to happen, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Back in the day they were told that nothing like this would happen. Yeah. That that parents or, or children could go searching, you know. And vice so, versa. And, the- and vice versa, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically. So I can remember going um, to community service plays. To- Go again. Okay, sorry. All right. Yep. That's okay. Yeah. So we went to this, the you know, um, community services. We signed all the relevant paperwork, and I can remember yep. the lady said to me that they had this reunion register that I, you know, like my biological parents couldn't look look for me because of this veto, but if I went on a reunion register and say 10 years time I changed my mind then they would get in touch with me and say do you want to pursue this meeting right and and I can remember mum was a bit funny about it and I thought no you know there may come a time that I might need information about mm. medical stuff or anything like that and yeah um so I said yeah right, I'll go on the reunion register and I was about 23 or 24 at the time and it wasn't even 
two or three months later, I got a call from this caseworker at uh, the community services and saying that my my biological mother was looking for me. Wow. And would I, would I be interested in in meeting? And I had to think about it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the main thing that I worried about, I was curious. I wanted to know why she, she gave me up. Yeah. Um, I always used to say, you know, I, I wouldn't mind someone pointing out to me, see that lady over there, she's your mother. So I knew what she looked like yeah. and whether I looked like her, but never, ever had any interest in right. in meeting her or having okay. a relationship. So basically I um, I ended up saying, yes, okay, I, I will have some kind of communication. but um, And I laid some ground rules, you know, and I was very, I felt very guilty for doing so. I felt very guilty for... Because I thought I'm betraying my parents by doing this. That were the thoughts that went through my head. And I ended up having a chat with mum and dad and, you know, they were they were on board, but you could tell especially mum was a bit apprehensive about yeah. this, these kind of things. So You're about to walk into well, the unknown, aren't you? Well, you just don't know what's gonna happen. And then, yeah. and when I look back at twenty four, I was still very young. Mm. You know, um, you don't you know, I don't think Age, I was prepared for what I was walking into. Yeah. Um, so the caseworker that we had basically said, like, you can write each other letters first and send some photos, and then we'll play it very slowly and go from there. I said, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, basically, we did that back and forth, and then I found out that I had. A half brother and half sister. Nice. Um, and so, uh, long story short, we ended up deciding to meet. Right. And looking at that, I was living in Newcastle at the time, and she, I was born born in Newcastle, yep. and she had grown up in Newcastle. Right. Was married and moved to Sydney. So, basically, um, she was in Sydney. So, uh, my partner at the time and I decided to go down and meet her. And yep. I could remember coming home and telling mum and dad about the meeting. And I can remember mum saying to me, so I suppose you're going to move down there now. Huh. And I said, no. <laughs> Why would you think that? Sure, I want blood, sick and water. And I yeah, said, right. no, mum. You know, and I knew at that point that, she was upset about it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though she'd sort of been supportive of it. Yeah. But, you know, she was still upset. She this is never supposed to happen. We were told this would never happen, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I think I was very, um, I suppose I felt guilty again. I shouldn't yeah. be having this relationship. You know, I was doubting myself. You know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, mum and dad have done everything for me, you know. Why am I hurting them like this? You and know, that kind of thing. All of these feelings are completely natural and normal. Yes, they are. Self-doubt yeah. when you're in such a huge moment in your life mm. would be completely normal. However, when you're in the middle of it, yeah. it's anything but, isn't it? Oh, anything. Anything but normal. It was all seemed so surreal, yeah. I guess. Um, that it was happening and then it finally happened and I went down 
and looking back, you know, I, I, I would never have gone to her house if yeah. it was me doing that now. Right. But I went to her house in her territory and all the family were there, like her yeah, husband and her two children, right. and it was all very full on and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah. I sort of walked away feeling quite confused. And, of course. You know, this is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> then um, basically we had a relationship at, and I was living – I wasn't living with mum and dad. I was living out on my own. And back then there was no mobile phone, so um, it was a landline. And I can remember the phone ringing at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, oh, that's odd. So I picked it up and it was was my biological mum. And she said, oh, thank goodness, she said. "Um, You're okay. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, I was ringing you last night and you wouldn't pick up and I was terribly worried about you. And I think one of the one of the um, boundaries that I put in place was, you know, I didn't want her to think all of a sudden she was my mother. Mm. You know, like I have my mum yeah. and I didn't want her to think, oh, you know, but I mean, obviously at 24, you know, couldn't understand what, how she was feeling, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's all about at that age how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you're not under, totally understanding. But, you know, first meeting, she told me that she was 17 when she had me. And yeah. I fell pregnant to a man that she had been seeing who was in the Navy. Uh-huh. And basically her father, when she fell pregnant, dis- wanted to disown her. and yeah, said. Right. No, no, the baby goes, or we will never, you'll never be in this house again. So yeah, she basically wow. didn't have, she didn't have um, a leg to stand on, basically. No. She, you know, and I think after meeting her um, and hearing that, I did feel better. I felt yeah. like, oh, okay. I guess okay, there's um, a society pressure. So, mm. you know, there's been a forced adoption apology by the government. However, how much sway they have over any individual adoption story I think is quite negligible. It's the societal pressures, you know, the ostracisation of single mothers and even the the children from broken families are ostracised. Oh, they were a lot back in those days. It wasn't common. Oh, most different, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was like, the secret and they, you know, mm. basically had the baby or I've sent away, had the baby, come back. Mm. You know, no one had known that they had a baby because I was sent away before they started showing or yeah. when the parents would be, oh, they've gone away for work or they've made up all of these excuses, you yeah. know, and it was all so silenced back then. Yeah. Uh, but I did, it was funny because mum had told me stories about, you know, it's like when she adopted me, she said it was six weeks, but I later found out it was eight weeks when I got my medical, um, my hospital records, okay. um, that she was told that my biological mother would have uh, three months to change her mind. Three months? Three months. Wow. And I went, and so my mum, I felt in a sense wanted to bond with me but was so scared that she was going to get I was going to get taken away again wow because I thought it was 30 days 
you know, mum's off three months. And I said, surely they made an error because I heard it was 30 days. Yeah. And she said, no, three months. And I'm thinking maybe mum got it wrong. But yeah. that was what her belief was. Okay. okay? So yeah. basically with my biological mum, Margaret, she was told never could you change your mind. You know, right. She wasn't told that she had 30 days to, to change her mind. So there were so many conflicting stories on each side, you know. Yeah. You know, um, basically when she had me, they put the curtain up and yeah, right. they weren't able to tell her whether I was a boy or a girl um, and yep. just took me away. Yeah, um, right. And then, yeah, stayed... Well, mum thought it was six weeks, but it was eight weeks. I only recently got my my records. Um, right. It took eight months to get, but I uh, recently got them and said it was actually eight weeks when they, they picked me up from the hospital. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, as a kid, I didn't think anything about it because I had quite a few friends that were adopted. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I had... The neighbours next door were both adopted. You know, the kids were both adopted. And I yeah. had two good friends at school who were adopted. So I didn't see it as anything wrong yeah. or out of the ordinary Yeah, because, you know, I wasn't the only one. Oh. Um, and I used to say to people too, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm so special. And mum said I was picked specially and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and it's also so, not like adoption was a new thing that started in the 30s, 40s or 50s. It's well, been it. going on ever since Adam was a boy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know? And, I mean, you've only got to look online now. Right? Yeah. How many people in, in groups of how many people are adoptees yeah. or how many people have given a child away for adoption or how many people have adopted a child, the whole triangle. Yeah. You know? So basically, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, met her and um, asked about my biological father and she told me his name and where he lived last and she she advised me not to go looking for him. Yep. She said, he's a terrible man. Yeah, don't, right. Don't go looking, he's a terrible man. You, you don't want to go there. And I thought that was a really weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I just was like, oh, well, I can't. I'm going to decide myself if this guy's a terrible man because I think I felt when I walked into her home, I I didn't feel a connection. Okay, yep, like, fair enough. Like I looked like anyone. Yep. And I think I was, growing up I was craving that and I was craving that, oh, who do I look like or yeah. who do I have the same mannerisms as or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I don't think you think it all the time, but I think the subconscious is that, that thought's there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so basically... She gave me the name of him and I just looked at him up in the phone book. Yeah, right. He had about Vito's and he still lived in the same town. Yeah. Um, unusual last name. So it wasn't, you know, a Smith or a Jones. It was an unusual last name. There wasn't many in the phone book. So yeah. I can remember probably like if I did this today, I can um, remember uh, things that I've, I've read on Facebook with people like Diane Cuff, she says, you know, you should never contact them straight up, you know, yes. all that kind of stuff. Um, and I knew, and my, I got my boyfriend to ring. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> How did that go? Thinking back now, 
Oh, not good. Um, <laughs> well, his wife answered the phone and she right. wanted to know who he was. And, oh, dear. And I'd heard, I'd heard she called mother that he, what had happened was he said the baby wasn't his. Right. And then she ended up, and I didn't think they did that back in those days, but there was some kind of court case where he had to pay the medical bills or she made him pay the medical bills. Oh. He, he had started seeing the woman he's now married to. And, right. And she said to him, if that's your baby, I'm not oh, marrying no. you. And he said, it's not my baby. Right. It's not. Right. So I'd already heard that sort of, she'd heard that, that story. And so uh, this woman answered the phone, basically. So who is it? And he said, oh, I'm looking for Alan, you know, I'm a long lost friend of his, I haven't seen him for a while because didn't really want to tell her the situation. And she said, oh, he'll be back He'll be back tonight if you want to give a call back. So he gave a call back to her said, oh, do you know my biological mother's name? And he said, yes. And he said, well, um, you had a, a child with that baby? And he said, uh, it's debatable. Yeah. Um, not real sure. And he said, well, she'd really like to meet you. Uh, would you be up for that? And he said, oh, okay, well, I'll talk to my wife. <laughs> and he asked him to call him back in a, in a week. So he rang back in a week. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm up for meeting. So oh, no. again, I went to his house and yeah. he had a, a boy and a girl as well. Right. They were lovely, lovely, lovely people. And they were welcoming and got on absolutely famously. Nice. And um Yes, so basically we had a relationship for a while and then his wife wasn't overly keen. Yeah. And apparently she'd actually watched an episode of Current Affair one night. Oh, okay. And they talked about adoptees trying to get inheritance from their logical parents. Yeah. And she rang me, she said, what do you want? Really? And I just said, nothing, nothing, I don't want anything. And we got into a bit of an argument and that was it. I um, I had a lot of mental health issues, like yep. growing up. I had always had anxiety as a kid, but when I was a kid, you never knew the word anxiety. Mm. Like it was, you know, you had butterflies in your tummy or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so that was another sort of kicking the guts there and I decided I don't need this like yep. that kind of so I stepped back and I had tried to talk to him and he obviously had to look say oh, I'm sorry that you know she's just upset by the whole situation I could understand that yeah absolutely um, you know and I, I respected that I'd gotten to know his daughter quite well in that time in that first 12 months and we, we hit it off well. We were socialising together. Um, so, yeah, I sort of lost contact with her as well. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. It's uh, had a lot of, another uh, uh, another lot of rejections in, in marriages. Um, and out of that, I had three beautiful three kids. Um, and I think after having kids, it makes, it hits home, especially your first. Yeah. And, and and to think, oh, wow, how does she do that? You, ha you have this utmost, more respect, I think. Um, yeah. 
think that she went through that, you know, I could yeah. never have gone through that. I know? often think, like, I th- listening to and, and going through uh, people's journeys with them, as you're telling me your story, I try to put myself not just in your position but also the the birth parents' position or the adoptive parents' position as well. Um, what they what they feel, um, and I keep coming back to thinking that the birth mother or the birth parents, if they're together, but the birth mother's decision would have to be the biggest de- biggest decision of their life. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and I know that a lot of yeah. society pressure is on, which nearly forces their hand most of the time. Yeah, but. I can't. I don't know how they were told to just get yeah. on with it and move yeah. on. You know, like yeah. It's, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. Get on, and, and they had no help or no counselling. Yeah, you know, the their parents didn't want to talk about it. It was yeah. all such taboo yeah. to even discuss it. So putting yourself in that position is like, wow, like how did they deal with that back then? Yeah, you know. And I know my my biological mum's. Um, situation when she did marry um, she tried to have children and she kept having miscarriages right. so she felt that she was being punished yeah, for, right. for being for, for giving me away you know yeah. but she ended up having having two lovely children yeah um, but yeah so basically stepped away from um, my biological dad um, fast forward I got married I had three beautiful children um, and, you know, struggled with mental health, in particular depression. Um, I got diagnosed with personal depression after my second child and, um, yeah, it was very, very ill and, and, and basically I've been treated for depression ever since. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, not, and, and wondering why. Yeah. What, what has made me depressed? What you know? I've had a great life. I've had great parents. I've had great family. Why yeah. am I like this? You know. Yeah. Um, and then, basically, fast forward to eighteen months ago. Yep. Um, I was still having contact with my biological mother. Let's hit like thirty years. Yep. Um, so would that be semi regular contact or? Oh, phone mainly because yep. I was I was in Newcastle up until eight years ago, and then okay. I moved to Melbourne. Right, um, and she was in Sydney, so she was only two hours away. So basically, I would travel to see her. Right, she ever really come to see me? But I was always apprehensive too about her coming to see me in case Mum and Dad dropped by. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I at this point I wouldn't tell them much anymore because I knew. That I didn't want to upset them. I, yeah. I I felt guilty for having this relationship. So again, here's this secrecy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this secrecy yeah. all the way through it. Yep. Um, and they know that I'd go and see them or um or whatever, but I just wouldn't go into much detail. Mm. Um and when I had a relationship with my, my dad, I wouldn't tell mum and dad about it mm. because I knew that it up upset them so well, you've got to protect um, them as well you know and i think we take on a lot of the protection um and make decisions to what we think's best as well yeah 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there's always been that guilt of, you know, um, and there's always been that, you know, we should be grateful. Mm. Um, we should be grateful for what we had. But it's not until the last 18 months with the reading that I've done and and the information that other people have talked about that it, it's hit me. And it's basically what happened was um, we moved to Melbourne and yep. I still kept in contact with my biological family and I went to my half-sister's wedding. We drove from Melbourne to Sydney um, to go to the wedding and I can remember at the wedding everyone had a part in the wedding, in the oh. family, except me. Is this your, sorry, your adoptive family or my biological? Mom, my biological right. mum's okay. daughter, so my, my biological right. half sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yep. <clears throat> and I can remember, I don't know why it hit me so badly, but I can, it was all sort of kept secret, like she had a sister-in-law as her bridesmaid and, and I didn't know that. I hadn't mm. been told that. So there was mm -hmm. all a lot of secrets about the wedding and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I box up and the first thing I see is my sister-in-law and one of her friends is bridesmaid. And, you know, I don't know what I expected, but I was just like, oh, that kicks in the guts. Yeah. You know, like, and I just, it was just one of those things where I felt part of the family, but I didn't. Yeah. You know, like it yep. was that. You know, and I used to go and visit them and I'd leave and I'd feel so totally confused. Yeah. Where do I belong? Yeah. Who do I belong with? Because here are these people that I'm blood related to that I don't really know that well. Yeah. Even after 30 years of yeah. visiting um, and there's my family who I'm nothing like, um, personality or looks. So you sort of feel like you're in limbo a little bit, I guess, mm. um, when it comes to that. But so basically we moved to Melbourne. So I didn't have as much face-to-face -face contact with her, um, but we were always, you know, FaceTiming or, yeah. um, or, or phone or whatever. Um, but basically what happened was I had, as I mentioned earlier, I had a full year with my doctor. Yeah. And I had a total breakdown. Right, sorry. Total breakdown. And, and I thought, why am I like this when people reject me? Why am I like it? So I started delving into books and, you know, watching YouTube on adoption. And then I found out all about how your brain's affected when you're adopted, like you, the abandonment trauma that yep. you can have from that and I just found it fascinating and yeah. the more I read the more I read about it and I was like wow you know this is it you know this is why I'm so affected by rejection because I've always been a people pleaser okay. always yep. you know, always said yes to people even though I didn't want to because I didn't want to upset them yeah. I didn't want to have them reject me you know so basically read all this information I read this book it was about a girl from Newcastle, very similar story. It was her memoir on adoption and how she had been told one thing about her. Her father, the father who it was, and ended up not being her biological father. Oh. And I remember reading this book and I'm going, what? that's crazy, you know. Like, anyway, about 80 months ago, I got diagnosed with this disease right and it's a it's a hereditary disease right 
So I got in touch and they said, well, if it's hereditary, which it mainly is, we treat it differently if it's not, like, oh, we don't okay. think it's hereditary, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had to delve deep. So I rang my biology. I said, have you ever had this disease in your family? Do you know with it? No, no, no. So I ended up contacting my biological father, who I hadn't spoken to in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, and I said, Any, anyone? No, no. And I went, that's so weird. You know, so I ended up reading this book about this woman who was told that her father wasn't her father and and still to this day doesn't know who her real father is um, going through the DNA process. I'm going to do a DNA test. So I just does this DNA test and off. I think, you know, maybe I can do a family tree. Maybe I can find out more off these people about medical history because I have a lot of medical issues. And it came back and I said that I had two cousins by these two girls' names. And I went, that's really weird. I don't know these people. I know all the cousins on both sides. Yeah. Right? So I went, okay, this is weird. So I ended up messaging one of the girls on Ancestry and I said, hey, you know, it's come up, we've come up a match and it's quite a strong match. I said, whose side of the family are you on? Are you on Margaret's or are you on Ellen's side? I don't know anyone by that name. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay. So I went, oh, that's really weird. So the plot thickened. The plot thickened. So I rang up Margaret. Hey, Margaret, you know how I've been trying to find out about, you know, my, my, my medical history and this genetic disease that I've been diagnosed with? Yes. I said, well, they're not doing a DNA test. And I said, do you know someone called, I just said the two girls' names. And she went, no. I thought, oh, well, it must be on Ellen's side. So in the meantime, I'm talking back and forth with this girl who's mm-hmm. telling me that she's part of, the Stokes aside, Stokes, Stokes, I don't know any Stokes. So I, I messaged Alan and I said, do you know anyone by the name of Stokes on your side of the family? And I got a message back and said, I think you need to talk to Margaret. Uh-huh. And I went, oh, that's weird. Anyway, so I'm talking to my newly found half-cousin that ended up being my newly found half-sister. Right. And... It's like a book. I could read, write, write a book about this. Yeah. Anyway, so basically she said this gentleman's name. So I rang back my mother and I said, do you know a person by this name? <clears throat> and she automatically went, nope. Uh-huh. Like very, very distinctive. Like, yeah. nope, like cranky. Yeah. Went, oh, so so she found out, basically. So apparently, long story short, my biological father, who I'd met 31 years ago, was not my biological father. Wow. Um, his best mate was. His best mate, of course. Who he was in the Navy with. Right. So I now know why she told me not to go on searching for the man that she told me he was yeah. my biological father. And the weird part about it was all this time I had COVID at this particular time I was just and I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? <laughs> well, anyway, long story short, this is a very long story, but I asked her, I said, 
I, I couldn't even talk to her. I was, I was just like, what the hell? So Mrs. Sharon, I said, Margaret, I'm sorry to do this, but I've just found out that Alan's not my, my dad. Wow. And she messaged back and she said, well, I know who your father is. I'm not lying to you. Uh-huh. And I said, like, this is going over a few days and I've, like, researched everything and I've got in touch with Diane. Yeah. Um, like, and I said, I've got this DNA, like, can you help me? And she said, yeah. So she helped me and she she come back to me. She said, yeah. She said, these two girls are your half-sisters. And wow. That, that man is your real father. So for 31 years, I believed it was somebody else. <laughs> And met all their family. And then I found out that this other man was. Wow. So I got talking to my half-sisters who had different mothers. Okay. okay? Yep. Bit of a days of our lives thing. Yep. And long story short, this man who I believe is my biological father um, has nine children. Wow. And he had his first child at 13. No way. There was another one at 15 that was adopted out. And then he had three more and a few more girls and a boy, but all to different. I think one girl, one boy to to the same mother. And then he's got another young boy's now. He married a very much younger wife. He's now 75 um, and he's got a 30-odd-year-old wife. Wow. And they have two two young boys as well. Wow. Um, so a uh, long story, but got three of my half-sisters. Yeah. And very similar. <laughs> We're very similar. And I saw a photo. So who I thought was my dad ended up sending me photos of his best mate. Yep. And he apologised and said, I am so sorry. I knew they slept together. But right. I didn't want to tell you. Yeah, right. But, you know, Margaret said that I was the dad, so I took that at face value. Yeah, right. So basically ended up talking to these girls and then um, – they got in touch with their father who told them about me and he denied knowing this woman. Okay. <laughs> and then basically he, um, I asked if I could speak with him and he lives in Queensland. Okay. And I rang him and I wanted to know, my ultimate wanted him to know about family history and where this disease. Yeah. <laughs> And it ends up that my other half-sister has it as well on his side. So so it's sort of, it's his side of the family. Um, Got into a conversation with him. Um, I think Margaret told me that Alan wasn't a very nice man, but I think she got them mixed up. Right. Um, Sadly, he was very male chauvinist and basically said, oh, we used to always sleep with each other's girlfriends. Uh No big deal. No big deal. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, not my fault, but, 
Margaret didn't tell me about it and all this kind of stuff. So I just, yeah, I just uh, I just said, okay, I think we'll, we'll end the conversation. We'll just leave so it there, yes. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. So uh, one of my half-sisters called him and he admitted to, to her to sleeping with Margaret. Yeah. And she said, why didn't you tell Debbie that? And he said, because I don't need another kid. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, so that, that's basically um, I also, I'm sort of still getting to know my, my half-sisters. Yeah. Um, I haven't pursued any of the others and none have come up on Ancestry Yeah. But, um, at this point. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, just a bit of a shock that for yeah. 21 years you think you know who you're related to and then to be told no and be lied to and now Margaret won't speak to me ever again. Wow. Well, I so, guess that's on her really, isn't it? Yeah, so she basically just said, look, I know who the father is. Why are you lying to me? And I said, well, DNA doesn't lie. DNA, DNA does not lie. does not lie, exactly. And, and yeah. Yeah. So there's that sad part about it that I got in touch with her children because we were quite close. Yep. And I said, look, I don't know if you've heard what's happening, but I just thought I'd let you know what's been happening. And they said, uh, we don't want to discuss it. We're sorry that this has happened after 31 years, but mum's just too sick to um, She knows who the father is, so let's leave it be. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, so I've had no contact with any of them since. Right. So, yeah, so so it was a big year. Yeah, <laughs> big, I can imagine. A big discovery and, um, and yeah, still healing from that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess the truth is the truth. Um, yeah, and I'm so glad that it came out. Yeah. You know, so I, glad that it came out. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the truth is... Good, bad, ugly, um, it's got warts, or it can be pretty, you're like a rose, or whatever. However, sometimes knowing the truth, even though it's not ideal, is better than um, believing something that's not true. Exactly. And, you know, they always say the truth comes out in the end. Yeah. And it took 30-odd years, but it did. It did come out. I lost my, my beautiful mum 16 years ago. So, yeah. um you know, so it was very hard for me. Not that I ever saw Margaret as my mother no. um, because she didn't clean me up um, and she relinquished that right. Yeah. But it was basically, it was another another rejection from her. Yeah. And, yeah, so I think, you know, having all of this information now that I've read about and why I'm feeling the way I do when I get rejected and how I, I go down in a screaming heap. It's just all makes much sense. Yeah. What I've read scientifically, what happens to a child when they've been abandoned by the natural mother. And um, so I have learned a lot in the last um, 18 months. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. And, yeah. you know, and all I can say to people is, you know, if just be careful what you're told because sometimes it's not always the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always the truth. Because even so, though um, their story's out, um, they still mm -hmm. want to protect the nitty-gritty, don't they? 
potentially. Well, that's it, you know, yeah. you know, and you know, I look at other people's stories and I think, wow, you know, like some people have just gone to hell and back, and some people have had the most amazing reunion stories. You know, yeah. you just never know what you're going to get when you no. walk down that path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's. Because I was so young, I would have done it a lot differently if now, yeah. If, yeah. if it had happened now. Yeah. Uh, so how um, would you, yeah. would you, if you were able to go back in time and mm. speak to yourself when you were going through it the first time in, in finding out about yourself, what advice would you give yourself or even somebody who's got a similar story? What advice have you got for them? But basically not to rush it. Yeah. Um, um, we all get so excited in, oh, wow, this is so exciting, you know. All this is happening. But take your time. Take your time. Think about things. Journal things. Um, talk to people about their experiences. Um, don't just go in gun home like I did because yeah. it ends up, I don't know, it just ends up a lot harder. I think the patience is the key. Yeah. Um, just be very patient. Um, and, you know, what I did by ringing up my, my partner to ring up my biological dad and his wife answered the phone, you know, was the worst thing that mm. could have happened, mm. you know. And I think you're so excited and so high. That's where people make the mistakes of, basically going, oh, I'm going to get in contact with them straight away because they are excited. Yeah. I think my advice will be just to sit down on it and do it the right way and it will all work out a lot better. Absolutely. That's um, um, fantastic advice there, Debbie. Yeah. So how are you now? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I, I'm, um, you know, I've been having for the, and they've been wonderful. Yep. Um, and yeah, basically, I think it's very hard. I think all like coming out of what they say is the fog of, yep. you know, yep. it's not all flowers and perfume and everything else. It's, you know, you, you believe growing up that you're basically everything's great and, you know, you're not traumatized by it all yeah. at all. <laughs> um, and then out of that and educating yourself about adoption and um, whatever corner of the triangle you're in, um, I think it's the best way to do it. And we're very lucky these days that we have those resources. Yeah. You know, like 30 years ago, we didn't have those resources that we could just watch something on YouTube or look up the internet. Or, yeah. Have Facebook support or anything like that. So basically, I think, yeah, just take your time. That's it. And yeah, think about the other person as well. Absolutely. Not just yourself. No worries. Well, thanks so yeah. much for coming on and telling us your story, Debbie. Oh, thank you for listening. My pleasure. And yeah. Yes. No, thank you. And yeah, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, Vic. Thanks, Debbie. Bye. See ya. That was Debbie Mills telling us her story. And DNA does not lie. That's 100% true. Um, I hope you enjoyed 
uh, her story and you got something out of it just like I did. Um, until next week, bye for now.